from the small mountain town of Dogville, it's the IGN DigiGuys. And now, please welcome two men who didn't abuse Grace Mulligan, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Wow, a Von Trier reference. Hey, Corey, who, uh, who, who is so sophisticated that they would send that one in? That was written by Kevin Lower. Sorry, I tried to say it lower. Uh-huh. Uh, and speaking of Von Trier, that, uh, what's that new film of his where, where we, we will be insufferably subjected to Shia LaBeouf having sex or something? Nymphomaniac. Oh, gads. I, you know what? I will, uh, and I, I have gone on record as defending Von Trier, but yeah. with, um, what was the one with uh, Gainsbourg? Oh, uh, did Antichrist? He lost it. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, although although uh, uh, the other one with Kirsten Dunst, I liked a lot. Isn't it funny that uh, the, the the more that Von Trier becomes like what uh, Haneke used to be, the more Haneke runs away from that and becomes just adorable and humanistic and wonderful and sweet. I always found I always found uh, yeah. Haneke very humanistic. Yeah. Well, Funny Games is not exactly. <laughs> well, but, but well, that's no, sadistic. It's well, it's also like this strange little yeah. experiment in how audiences perceive good and evil in movies and mm. all that kind of stuff. That's like this weird little experiment he did. Yeah, we're talking not the American version, which sucks. Well, we uh, first off, a uh, little bit of housekeeping. We uh, were off last week. Uh, for those who are not on the Facebook page, you should be because uh, I, I announced that I became a father on February first. And uh, hence, last week was a hiatus week for me as I attempted to get uh, sleep and, and get anything done. Now, did and you have an actual baby, or did you uh, did, what, did you build one from scratch, like Data? It's uh, you know what it's interesting. There's this kit that you buy. Mm-hmm. You, you go to the the like Aero Hobbies in Santa Monica where they have all the D and D miniatures. That's not around anymore. Yeah, it is. Is it like, really? It sure is. Aero Hobbies. Nerd out, totally rock on. Nerd no, I'm me. Not doing that. Nerd bump. Uh, no, yeah, there you go. Which is the one that we that we went to as a kid? Aero Hobbies. Really, it's still yeah, there. Yeah. No, we 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 I'm, had a I'm child. We, we had a beautiful little daughter uh, on Yay. February first, and uh, I want to express my deepest thanks and gratitude to all of the people who wished me uh, congratulations and good wishes on the Facebook page. That's uh, it was very touching, and uh, I'm, I'm a mush now. I'm it's every last bit of cynicism is slowly being drained out of me. It's what? Kind of, it's sort of depressing. There, no more Wade I'm gonna rants. See, I, I'm going to see if I can get some of it back. You know, it's, but you just you just look at that little face, and it's just the, the, the little mushy face. It just it, 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 there's no way you can just be bitter at the world when you look at that. It's like owning a dog times a million. Mm-hmm. And then they make little noises, and you know. And is, 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 and is the baby just in like an entertainment machine? Everything she does is just like hilarious or worth looking at. Yeah, even even like the even the, the poop, even the poop and the pee. Yeah. <laughs> And and I gotta, I gotta tell you, I mean this will embarrass her to no end, but it'll be decades away. You know there are times I have to say when um, suddenly a baby becomes like a water cannon spraying uh, like protesters at a some kind of a you know like career square thing. Some like like Chicago political rally. Yeah, you just you you you. It's really truly terrifying. You have to jump out of the way and just dodge the the onslaught. It's uh, amazing how much they can muster that velocity. I had no idea. All these things I'm learning. Now, uh, are, you, are you finding out why the most stolen item in supermarkets is um, diapers? Yeah, because you, if you run out, you've got to get them. 
Yeah. I mean, we're not that stupid. You know, you, you stock up. You go to diapers.com and you get on, on kind of a routine, right? You know, it's like a, it's now, like it's have, like having a bar tab. Now, have you used tissue paper and a stapler? <laughs> have you done that yet? No. You have not done that. <laughs> what? Uh, made that up. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, Blu-rays. Congratulations, Wade. Please wish him congratulations on the Facebook page because it's awesome news, and he's going to make a very strange father. But you know what? Uh, yes, what are you going to do? Yes, I will. Anyway. The father will love soccer. Indeed. And uh, a lot of people have asked what her first movie will be. We don't know yet, and it's going to be whatever uh, Christy decides it will be. I, I mean, if we're up I to I think me- everything in that kid's life will be whatever Christy decides. Pretty much. I you mean, will have no say in the raising of this child. If it were up to me, I, I would probably first expose her to, uh, to Blonde Fury with uh, Cynthia Rothrock. That would be my choice for her first film. Um, Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah, totally. That's terrible. Yeah, baby. Have you ever seen Blonde Fury? No. Come on, Cynthia Rothrock. Dude, I mean, it's a Hong Kong film. It's classic. It's brilliant. All right. Speaking of classic and brilliant, yeah. let's talk about uh, uh, Blu-rays. Now, wait. Can I talk yes. about a couple of Blu-rays Go coming up? Hit knock blow. Because I'm, I'm not sure you know this. Now, which one are you more likely to buy? That the one. 50th anniversary edition of Cleopatra, mm. which is now in pre-order, mm-hmm. or from 1976. Peter Fonda, Blythe Danner, Future World, the yeah, sequel I'm gonna, to Westworld. No, I think I'm going to go with uh, Cleopatra. When's Cleopatra get released? How What's the date you? on that one? How dare you? Future World. Yeah, get whatever. Get with the program. Uh-huh. Lovely. Oh, uh, damn funny. Uh, no, uh, yes, Cleopatra is available on pre-order right now. It's going to be a huge set. It's going to be like a, like one of those digipack things that, uh, like in that, May. that Fox does. Yeah, that Fox does. It's like in May, right? Um, let me see if I can find out when it is. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, vamp. Let's see. It's going to have a, uh, a book, a little book thing that is uh, Cleopatra Cultural History, some missing footage, a Fox Movie Channel Presents special, which I always kind of like. Yeah. And uh, it's great. I mean, the thing is that the movie was released on Blu-ray in Europe, or part of Europe. Right. And now it's finally coming to uh, domestic shores, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's going to be great. But there's, there's no date on it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Interesting. But okay. we don't care about that because Future World is coming. That's interesting that they would take pre-order. Well, anyway. All right. Future Very World. Fine. How dare you? Future World. West World. Future World. Oh, West World's great. How dare you? Oh, gosh. Have you watched it again lately? That's probably terrible. Yeah. They, 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 they don't hold up so well. Oh, well. There's also Scanners. Steelbook coming out. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Love Scanners. Yep. Uh, Criterion also released their May titles. Exciting stuff. Yep, a lot of good stuff. Here's Criterion's May Blu-ray titles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to test you. Yes. Scale of one to ten. Ten being, I'm going to, I would buy that if it was a quadrillion dollars. Yes. And one meaning, I don't even Not care. If it, I don't even care if it exists in many right. years. Sure. Here are the May uh, Criterion Blu-ray titles. Band of Outsiders. Uh, ten. Uh, the original, three ten to Yuma. Ooh, five. So, which means that you get it for free from Criterion, and you, you're, you're happy to have it. Look, it's a good film. I, it, it, uh, it's not that good. Um, something called Dubai with Glenn Ford, Ernest Borgnine, and Rod Steiger. Two. <laughs> Ooh, this is a good one. This I, I'd get this. Medium Cool. Three. Really? Yeah. It's oh, it's ha- awesome. Yeah. Okay. Haskell Wexler. N- yeah, next. Uh, he, you guys have got to see Medium Cool. Because what, what he does is it's, he, he takes the okay, – yeah, yeah, what, what he does is he takes LSD and then he runs around with, with, a, with a documentary camera and, then, and at the end of three days he has to figure out how to edit it together. And, no, uh, he, he basically created a 
fictional uh, yeah, st- story of out of actual events he was shooting at the uh, yeah. Democratic National that's Convention in Chicago. Did. Of course. It's a very unique film. Yes. And that's, then, ni- that's a nice euphemism. <laughs> and then, all right, finally, uh, Made Life is Sweet, the uh, Michael E. film. You know, eight. What? Yeah, eight. That's a, that's a, I like that film more and more as time goes by. By the way, there's a new Mike Lee coming out. I know. He's the I, best. I got the invite for you it. Ever, you ever been to a Q&A with Mike Lee? Yes, you, once. You truly feel sorry for the person asking questions. I know. Questions. He really is. He, he does not suffer fools, <laughs> he man. Does not at that all. guy. <laughs> you ask him, you ask him one dumb question, he will just unleash. He will. He will uncork on he's, you. He's he's kind of ornery, but not in that like <laughs> not in that, you know, funny way. He's, he's kind of not, ornery. Not in, in that not, way. In, not in like the Gabriel Byrne angry drunk way. No, you're correct. <laughs> It's in more kind of a sophisticated, professorial, I expect more of you way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Gabriel Byrne, on the other hand, you just feel like, geez, dude, really, just don't go to the pub before you go to a Q&A, honestly. Just, just don't save the pint for after the show. By the way, later on, as, as Wade lifts up some of these books we're talking about, they're big, big books, yeah. um, we're going to be eating today on the show. Yes, we will. Now, I know and- what you're saying. You're saying, hey, Mark, what did you make? Oh, no. This week's special week. Oh, yeah. Now, last month, actually, it's not even last month. Well, actually, it is last month, January. Uh, Eric Altieri sent us a um, recipe for a vegan blueberry cheesecake mm-hmm. with a graham cracker crust. Yep. And uh, we'll be trying that. Actually, I'll be trying that. Wade, I'm going to make you try it. Yeah, okay. And you're going to like it. And we have, we, good. we have a Vox box today. <gasps> Can I sing so the song? Did. Not yet. Okay. And also still taking uh, submissions for new intros. So by all means, go ahead and send us your submissions for new intros to gods at digigods.com. You can also send us Vox boxes at gods at digigods.com and send us your emails at gods at digigods.com. And uh, for the intros, just uh, if you want us to plug your website or your book or your life or your children, whatever. Uh, include that as well. We are we are happy to plug anything for our listeners. If you wrote us an intro, include your name and how you want to be introed and uh, given credit and um, anything you want us to plug, we'll do it. Um, we're whores. We are whores. Or actually, we're kind of pimps. We have yeah, true. nerd bump. What? What's Not with the nerd, nerd bump? bump thing? I don't know. It's a new thing. Uh, now here's the thing. I've known you for like twenty years. Yes, and we've never done a nerd bump. I know. Now. Now, it's when a, you have a baby and yes. all you care about are germs yes. being transmitted from like one something to another to you to the baby and the baby's sick, which like never happened. You mean now suddenly yes. we're like nerd bumping? Yeah, totally. Okay, fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I will say this. I'm, yes, I'm being a, a very germ averse, but I'm not being a germaphobe. And it's funny, you know, our friend Ray, good Ray Green, uh, writer director of Schlock. Um, uh, Ray, when he had his daughter, it, it, it turned him into like Howard Hughes. He, he, like, carries a gallon of Purell around with him, and he sprays himself down with it, and, you know, it's amazing. I, I heard that Purell stuff doesn't work. Well, you shouldn't really, it, because if you use too much antibacterial, the bacteria figures it out, right? Smart. That's the thing, see? We've got some books here real quickly before we get into the, uh, the titles. Mary Pickford, Queen of the Movies, edited by Christelle Schmidt. Uh, this is a fantastic coffee table book they sent to us from the University uh, Press of Kentucky. And i got to tell you, University Press of Kentucky does a lot of really cool movie books, but this one is just beyond. I mean, this is just a gorgeous – if you're a fan of Mary Pickford and you want the, the, the backstory on how she literally single-handedly revolutionized the film business, turned it into a business, and uh, became one of the founding figures of uh, United Artists, boy, I'll, this is just fantastic. I mean, we got 
pictures of her dresses and you know great stills and just the I mean everything. It, this is this is the definitive Mary Pickford book. Uh, one sheets, posters, her whole life story. It's amazing. There's it's also wonderful. a lot of uh, stuff here about people don't realize that she had a lifelong friendship, not romance, with uh, D.W. Griffith. Yep. D.W. Griffith sort of brought her along. Yep. You know, and also he he was also integral in her. Learning how the business worked, and learning how to direct, and learning what movie making is like, and also not transitioning from that very broad acting style that was mm-hmm. popular in silent film to like a more naturalistic. She was one of the first to do that. And we should point out, you know, that that with all this Brangelina and all the the the, uh, the, the contracted name thing, Pickfair was the original one, right? Yes, Mary, Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks. Yes, and they were the original like super celebrity couple and uh, the original power couple, and that uh, that sort of set a model for uh, for all of Hollywood to follow ever since. But you know, Mary Pickford, uh, keeping in mind that this is she became a powerful, powerful, incredibly wealthy uh, superstar businesswoman at a time when you know women couldn't even vote. Couldn't even vote. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's really extraordinary. Uh, just breathtaking. And it's a, it's a great book. Also got a couple here uh, just from the filmmaking angle. These are soft cover, but they're the they're like uh, um, like textbook soft cover, right? You know, like yes. that hardy soft cover. It's like These if are, you're in a, a, a film class. You'd exactly. Pick this up. These are from the Focal Press um, on producing and directing. Uh, the one on producing, speaking of uh, Lars von Trier, they've got a picture of Kirsten Dunst there. On, yes, uh, from uh, the Meteor movie. Melancholia. Melancholia. Uh, that's one <laughs> the producing. Movie. Did you see the video of the uh, of the Russian Meteor? You know, it's really funny. Corey, awesome. Corey on his Facebook <laughs> on his Facebook page said uh, that, uh, and now we find out that when an asteroid uh, enters the atmosphere. It looks exactly like Hollywood thinks it does. It's very funny. So anyway, we got one here on producing, and then another one on directing. This is uh, the fifth edition of Directing Film Techniques and Aesthetics by Michael Rabiger and uh, Mick Herbis Cherrier. Quite clearly British names. And this is actually a really good book. I've never seen the previous four editions, but uh, I've seen a lot of books on directing. I studied a lot of books on directing in school, and I gotta say, this is this is a a this is what's good about this is it's. It doesn't presume to tell you how to direct a movie. It just gives you the nuts and bolts of what the job entails and sort of gives you a good starting point. It kind of lays the foundation, but then it's up to you to be creative and to sort of know how to put it all together. So it's not like a lot of screenwriting books where it you know, kind of tries to tell you what your taste should be and what your instincts should be. It leaves that to you, and it's, it's, a, it's a good book. It's really a good textbook. I think I'm going to uh, flip through this way. You're going to lend me this. Uh, Jeffrey McNabb and Sharon Swart uh, Sharon Stone did the book on producing and um, this is interesting it's it's not so much about producing as it is just interviews with producers and uh, how they do it and how they did it and you know a lot of interesting little anecdotes and that's probably as much as you could do since producing really is kind of an inexact science but um, there's uh, you know some really interesting quotes here for example let me find one here. This is uh, Marin Carmitz, who, when you see MK2, the French company, their, their sales company and producing company, Marin Carmitz has done tons of brilliant French films. Um, a fascinating life. Anyway, there's an um, interesting quote here. He says, I am incapable of shooting a film in a tension-filled environment. The filmmaking environment is a very stressful and demanding one that requires a positive and creative atmosphere. Beautiful. Isn't that lovely? It's so beautiful. Could not have said it better myself. It's like... Pros. So, good books. Good yes. books. Now, Mark, you know how I... I, I What's I, that? This? What is that? This is part of what we're going to do right now at the uh, the top of the show. For eat a cheesecake? Few mi- for a few minutes. Well, do you want to eat the cheesecake fat now? And then we're, what we're going to do is I, I have saved up a lot of KidVid uh-huh. awaiting the, the birth of my daughter to see if I would now be less cynical 
And if I would feel differently towards some of these titles that I'm always um, right, kind well, of dismissing. Here's the thing. Since when you read, uh, when, when you talk about KidVid, I'm going to be in the other room sleeping. Let's try some cheesecake. Okay. You do that. Well, I'm going to go through some of these titles. No, the cheesecake. I thought we were doing cheesecake. You do cheesecake. I'll do okay. the titles. Okay, fine. Do huh? the cheesecake. No, you do the cheesecake, and then when the when the kid vid titles start, I'm going to go and uh, go in the other room and take a nap. Okay, fine. Because I don't have a kid, so what do I care about? Yeah, that's kid all right. Vid? You'd make snarky comments. <laughs> okay, it'll be, it'll be a short nap. Blueberry Bliss Cheesecake. This is what was made. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you that, really did you really give me my water in a glass that says that, that, that for a, an FX show hosted by Jillian Barbary? Yes, I were. I, I was I was the number two on that show. Actually, it was funny. The very first day I worked, did on you that just show. told me that you're number two. That's yeah, funny. I was the number two. Okay. The, uh, there's the executive on shows like that. There's the executive producer who's mm-hmm. number one, and then there's the supervising producer who's number two. So you worked with Jillian? Yes. She's nuts. She is kind of nuts. Okay. Yes. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, she's not like Roseanne nuts, but she's kind of nuts. Actually, the, the, my first day on the job, my first show, we got into an argument. Really? Yes. Good. Because she, um, I forgot who the guest was. She, um, she, you know, you have to introduce, there's, there was four guests on the show. There was like three celebrities mm-hmm. and an expert, a relationship yeah. expert. And it was like a round table discussion show. And now we're going off into a tangent. Yes, we are. We call this, a, we call this <laughs> in, in, in podcasting and uh, a tangent. Uh, so... She's introducing the celebrity guests. Don't know who they were. This was like 2001 or something. And uh, she mispronounces the guest name as the guest enters. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it again because I don't want her to mispronounce the guest name. Right. So after the show, we got into an argument about how she should be able to mispronounce the guest name because that's her because she's real because that's what she really does because it's her and it's real. And I said, well, here's the thing. It's a guest in your home. <laughs> you can you must pronounce you can mispronounce it afterwards if you want to mess with their name on third reference fourth reference fifth have fun make fun call them different names call them jerk I don't ooh, cheesecake I don't care yeah. but when they when you introduce them mm-hmm. you should get their name right right and that was what our argument was about <laughs> okay all right then um, and anyway, right. cheesecake here we go cheesecake yeah and. It's good. You know what? It, you know, here's the thing. It's first of all, it doesn't taste. Um, hang on. Chewing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't taste vegany. It's got cashews. Cashews. Yes. Cashews. The filling is is is, is like a it's like half a cup of cashews. That's interesting. Blueberries. Banana gives it some uh, kind of you know gives it some creaminess and a little a little bit of heft. It's good. It's good. It is very good. All right. Well, give, it's very give, good. Give Thank it to you, me Eric Altieri. Wait, do you want a piece or not? You know what? I, I, I'm, how can he, he sent us this? You got to eat a piece of it. I, I will. I will. I'll tell you. Here's okay, what happen. Fine. When what? I'm going to go take a nap while you talk about kid. Yes. And I'll take a nap and finish this piece of cheesecake. And then when I do okay. my rant about whatever I'm going to talk about, mm-hmm. you can eat a piece of cheesecake. Okay. So and then we can thank Eric Altieri for the cheesecake. Babar the movie. You know what? I would recommend Babar to anybody, even if I didn't have a daughter. Uh, I grew up with Babar. The the comics, the French comics, were just fantastic. And Babar the movie is uh, is really an awful lot of fun. And uh, for some reason, I had never seen this, but uh, you know what? E One Entertainment did a lovely job. It's old school. And uh, how do you not love elephants? I have an interesting story about a certain Hollywood executive who doesn't think people like elephants, and I can't really share it because I'm not supposed to know that story. Uh, we have several train titles today. Chuggington is obviously one of the uh, ongoing uh, t- uh, 
I forget how to pronounce the name of this company, uh, Lud- Ludorum, I guess it is. A, it's a Ludorum um, property. Have I told you my, my theory about food? Hmm. Every, every entree tastes better with Thai peanut sauce. And every dessert yeah. tastes better with graham cracker crust. Yes, you have said that. Okay. Thank you. Making sure it's happening. Uh, Chuckington, of course, is, is like a Tommy toy, and uh, it's a Ludorum title. Anchor Bay releases this, and this is cool. Safari Adventures with Chuckington, the, uh, the train, and it comes with a little uh, toy train, limited edition, bonus pack with train. Uh, I can't say that I really like the animation here or that I would want to expose my daughter to it, but uh, it is relatively inoffensive. You have a daughter? I do. Have I not mentioned that before? And then we have a fascinating set here, Adventure Time, which I have dissed on before, and everybody keeps telling me, you know, wait, you got to give it a second chance. This is Adventure Time, um, Fiona and Cake, 16 episodes. And the thing that they sent it to us with has, a, like, a little kind of a... Here, Mark, pull this thing. Ah, here we go. Uh, this is... Th- th- look at this. They sent us um, a what little... It's like a it's like a flash drive deal. They still make these? I you know. Don't, don't you just email stuff or you send it know. or whatever. I don't know. It's 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 a thing. It's I, you know, cute. I want it. it. You can have it. Really? Yeah, you can have All that. Right. You want that? Score. Yeah. Score. There you go. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm still as neatly packaged as this is. It still kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, but um, Fiona, the Fiona and Cake saga uh, premieres on February 18th, which will probably be past tense by the time this show airs uh, or goes live and uh, so this is uh, this is you know pushing something on DVD that's going to be on television as well so that's kind of the new thing but uh, you know Adventure Time Fiona and Cake I, I, I guess it's a whole new adventure I still kind of don't get it it still creeps me out a little bit but you know maybe my daughter will love this show and convince me that it's worthwhile I'm going to hustle this along, Mark. Oh, no, no, kid. Take your time. I'm going to move this along. All right, Barney, let's go to the moon. Not in a million years. Sorry. Uh, More on trains. Thomas and Friends. uh, Muddy Matters. I just still don't get the Thomas and Friends thing either. It's also bad CGI animation. A couple of Power Rangers titles. uh, Power Rangers Super Samurai Rise of the Bullzooka and Power Rangers Samurai A Team Divided. I forget how many different Power Rangers teams there are right now. I think there are enough to populate a small town all by themselves. Uh, I, they're all pretty much the same, but I have to say, just the word Bullzooka is awesome. Yeah. I like that. I know so you do. I'm going to recommend the Bullzooka. To your daughter. Why not? They're, they're a female Power Rangers. They kick butt. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, celebrate with Clifford. This is from Scholastic, and uh, Clifford is just, this is this is really kind of, great old school animation uh, not something that I would normally love but I think I'm kind of growing soft on this got seven stories here including the best gift Clifford's Carnival and Clifford on Parade as well as Screaming for Ice Cream he's a big red dog Mark he's Clifford he's awesome also from Scholastic something I would definitely recommend to my daughter from the Scholastic Storybook Treasures series is stories about African American heritage featuring March On, the day my brother Martin changed the world. Uh, this is a great title for Black History Month, but it's also a great title for just kids in general because it is 13 incredibly educational stories about you know the, the country that they live in. And forget about the fact that it is uh, you know uh, Black History Month and this is an African American heritage uh, title. This is important. Um, the uh, March on the day my brother Martin changed the world is is great. 
And then you also get Duke Ellington and more stories to celebrate great figures in African-American history. Why mosquitoes buzz in people's ears. Um, Martin's Big Words. Rosa Ellington uh, was not a street. John Henry. Ella Fitzgerald. uh, The Tale of a Vocal Virtuosa. I mean, it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful educational uh, thing that does not involve dogs or trains. And uh, I would uh, get it. Get it for your kids. Let them let them grow and develop and mature and be smart. Animaniacs, Volume Four. Uh, this is that thing that he evolved out of uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, and Steven Spielberg kind of wound up doing his own version of Looney Tunes characters. The Animaniacs are cute. the The one liners are very zippy and zingy, and uh, it's fun. What am I? What do you want? Uh, Nickelodeon, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Rise of the Turtles. This is uh, just the umpteenth incarnation of these damn things, and uh, I don't know. I guess the original Steve Barron-directed movie, the live-action movie, is sort of the only one that ever really kind of sort of worked for me in any way. Uh, I don't particularly care for the, uh, the animation here. Just don't like it at all, so can't recommend that one. Am I still as cynical as I was before, or am I softening a little bit? You know, you are softening a little bit, I have a to say, bit, and, yeah. I, and I don't like how that sounds. I mean, what yeah. happens if someday we bring back Stupid for Movies? Oh, the, the leapfrog. We've got a couple of leapfrog titles here. Scout and Friends. Look at how cute they are. Look at Scout and Friends. They're so cute. They're so cute. Stupid whatevers. Uh, Adventures in Shapeville Park and the Magnificent Museum of Opposite Words. Now, Shapeville Park, eh, whatever. It's it's all you know. This is like a like a math and geometry deal. Um, I know all about that. I'm, I'll teach my daughter with you know textbooks. But uh, I got to tell you, the, the magnificent museum of opposite words, pretty cool. Like Mark, give me an example of two opposite words. Uh, jumbo shrimp. No, big and small. We're not looking for like euphemisms or military it, intelligence. No, no what, it doesn't have to be what, a phrase. What, what just it? just two words like big, small, black, white. Oh, two opposites. Yeah, but Mark isn't Wade. Jumbo shrimp an opposite. Yeah, but it's a phrase. It's a complete phrase. Oh, it's so a, it's, a compound, okay. it's a compound concept. Got it. Okay. We're not so, getting that complicated. Um, <laughs> this is for small ch- This is for two to five years of age. Um, how about um, obsequious? <laughs> Speaking of obsequious, the only reason why I, 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 I know, use, or even re- remember the word obsequious. Do not, do not tell me. Do not tell me it's from the Big Easy, from the scene with, the, with, with no, Dennis Quaid. No, no, no. No, Where Dennis Quaid has to look it up because uh, Ellen Barkin uh, called him obsequious. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. You remember this, that, right? The, whatever, sure. Okay. But this, uh, this, goes, this goes far back. Uh, in an early Steve Martin album, uh, he... he may, wait, let me see if I can pick it uh, Hang on a second. While, I'm you're, while, you're, while you're babbling, I'm going to carry on with No, no, I'm, I'm going to try to play for you um, the reference... From an old C. Martin bit where he uses the word obsequious. I wonder if I should do this on headphones so oh, you can boy. do it. Hang on for a second. Okay. I mean, don't hang on. Keep talking. I'm, I'm going to find keep it. Talking. Two more titles from Scholastic that uh, are worth mentioning. One is The Red Hen, and the other is uh, Stone Soup. Uh, that's Stone Soup and other stories from the Asian tradition, and The Red Hen and more cooking stories. Um, a lot of great stuff here. The, uh, the stories on The Red Hen are really great. Lily Tomlin and Michael McKeon and a lot of other people narrate these. Uh, Jane Yolen and... Uh, and uh, uh, Melly Mel Steve. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, th- those are really cute. The uh, the Stone Soup stuff is terrific. Um, B.D. Wong and a lot of others do the narration here. B.D. Wong, who I was just watching yesterday on uh, on a couple of uh, reruns of Law and Order, which by the way is on twenty seven different channels at the same time all day long. This is the song, by the way, where he says obsequious, and I'm going to find it on this YouTube video. I'm going to play it. So those are educational so and worth watching. 
And then we've got uh, PBS Kids, Wild Kratts, Lost at Sea. Kind of odd. Um, I don't really... I, I'm, I'm not all that well exposed to the Kratt brothers, and uh, I, I understand this is meant to be sort of nautically educational, um, but uh, I, I kind of don't get it. Uh, PBS Kids, you're mystifying me a little bit. Um, similarly kind of underwater-ish is Nickelodeon's Bubble Guppies, which is just straight-up cute and goofy and uh, very, very derivative of a million other animated things, including uh, Finding Nemo. And it's okay. Uh, there's uh, you know, a bunch of episodes here, including Firefighter Girl to the Rescue, the Grump Fish special, call it Clambulance. Ha ha he he. Um, not all that educational, just sort of. Cares. Wait, I'm ready with the song. Okay, one more. Uh, here before I let you do that thing. Elmo's World All Day with Elmo. I would normally love this, but I'm having a really hard time in the wake of all of the child molestation or, or, or uh, you know, pedophilia stuff that's been going on with uh, with the Elmo uh, thing. I know. Kind of, Isn't it's, that just it's, it's God? Little, that just took the most bizarre. It just took all turn. the. It took all the wind out of the whole thing, and really I'll did. get over it because Elmo does transcend whoever does the voice. But I feel sorry for for everyone involved because and that great documentary. Now the I whole know. now that documentary is like it just seems it, like it, another it, guy. Yeah, it's just sad. Anyway, all right. So I, I got a few more of these, but go on. Well, do, I, do I no. Well, here's the thing: is that I'm I'm going to play this. I don't know how loud it's going to sound uh, as I play it over the microphone. So Wade might have to edit this later. Sure, whatever. If it's too loud or too soft, but I'm going to attempt to play for you the only reason why I know the word obsequious. It is from a Steve Martin bit from his uh, album Let's Get Small. And uh, Let's Get Small was, I'm going to guess and say Let's Get Small was released in uh, 1977. You ready? Here we go, Wade. Do it. Okay, that's cool. That was called Grandmother's Song. That's beautiful. The obsequious, purple, and clairvoyant. All right, we're almost halfway through the show, and I've got to finish up the kid vid so we can get to some real stuff in a Vox box. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, Extreme Karate. I like SpongeBob. I like karate. I like SpongeBob. That's Karate. SpongeBob. Yeah, the SpongeBob will not be in my house. With SpongeBob. The, I will not expose my daughter to SpongeBob. SpongeBob. I, I don't particularly care for it. Um, Thor, the Legend of the Magical Hammer, has nothing to do with the Thor that you see on uh, in, in the Marvel comics. This is just a, an animated thing that was thrown together. Um, it ain't bad. This is uh, a, um, a a a Nordic thing. They actually are kind of like trying to. Uh, these are you know who Nor- would win in a superhero? These are Norwegian fight? animators. They're kind of trying to reclaim. Thor from uh, well, from America. Who would win in a superhero fight, Thor or SpongeBob? SpongeBob. <laughs> uh, anyway, this he is yells, this is cute. Sponge water all over this Thor. This Thor been, would freak out. Yeah, totally. This has been on Voodoo. <laughs> it is an exclusive at Walmart and uh, being released by Arc Entertainment. And uh, these are you know Norwegian animators who are just sort of trying to reclaim their uh, their cultural heritage. Um, my daughter will undoubtedly want to watch Angelina Ballerina and uh, Dora. Now Dora's Butterfly Ball and uh, Angelina Ballerina Dance Around the World are not my idea of what I would want my daughter to be. I want her to, to play soccer and do slides tackles but i'm sure she will probably be really dainty and uh, you know my little pony friendship is magic pinky pie party i'm sure i'm gonna be just inundated with this as well and won't i pinky pie party that's bizarre 
Bizarre. Madly Madagascar is an all-new Madagascar adventure. I'm not fond of the Madagascar thing. I just kind of don't get it, and I don't care for it, and I don't like the characters, and I really only like the penguins, and like all the rest of the stuff, um, the only good thing about this are the penguins. Stupid penguins. Love the penguins. Uh, Root and Toot and Wild West. Yeehaw. This is a Nickelodeon title that has uh, a whole bunch of their all-stars on it. Uh, you know, from Timu Mizumi and Dora the Explorer and Fresh Beat Band, Go Diego Go, Wonder Pets, Bubble Guppies. They're all on here. It's kind of a little potpourri with a, with a Wild West theme. And uh, yeehaw. Look at Dora with her little bracelet and her cowboy hat. It's just, no, the only is, door I know is the one from the Robert Smigel film. It's more theme-oriented. <laughs> Got another Barney title here. Barney loves you. Yeah, I'll bet you do. You're not coming into my house. No way, no how. Uh, another toy train is in the uh, Thomas and Friends full steam ahead set. Again, I'm not a big fan of uh, Thomas, but they're like, like with the Chuggington. They include a little toy train here. The thing that's lame is that if you buy the Chuggington set with the toy train... Uh, the bonus toy, and then you buy the Thomas and Friends bon- uh, set with the bonus and with the bonus toy full steam ahead. They don't connect. They don't. They, you can't make one train out of the two different toys. That you know, honestly, that's, that's an re- outrage. It is an outrage. I would call Stan- my standardize that for crying what out loud. What the H? Uh, Martha and Friends is a creepy thing. This is a creepy ass thing. I had no idea it even existed. Did you know that there was like an animated Martha Stewart? Martha's magnificent egg. And the worst thing about this is that that it, it at a certain point in this animated cartoon, the little animated Martha, it's it's revealed that she embezzled the animated egg, and they put her into a little animated prison cell for the rest of the episode. What? Who are you? I don't know. Uh, Missy Mila, Twisted Tales, Volume Two. This is uh, not such great animation, and uh, this is from Organa. Uh, it's okay. Uh, there's a bunch of episodes of a show I've never heard of before. Mila is this little girl who is very tomboyish, and you know this is so, all about her adventures. And I, I you know, whatever. Um, it, it's it's meant to be kind of it's a little bit like uh, fractured fairy tales, except they're not fractured. Mm-hmm. You know, she tells you fairy tales and stories. It's kind of not the greatest thing. Uh, also from the kids' collection, volume three is Iris, the Happy Professor. This is. Uh, this is what people do when they try to do Muppety things that never elevate to the level of Muppets. Aww. They wind up coming up with these mutated-looking the puppets. <laughs> He's eating a pepper for some reason. I don't. I really Why not. is he eating a pepper? It's an apple. It's supposed to be an apple. Oh, like a pepper. Yeah, it's an apple. Um, you know, the, these all these people who are kind of trying to do the Muppet thing don't. Uh, two more from Nickelodeon on oh, their little Let's Learn series, ABCs and 123s. Wee. I'm sure I'll probably have this in my house as well. These are also compilations like the um, uh, like the uh, Root and Toot and Wild West. You get again Timu Mizumi and Dora and Blues Clues and Go Diego and on and on and on and on. Nihao Kailan is on the ABC's one. Um, Wonder Pets. Yeah, fine. More theme oriented stuff from Nickelodeon. They do a good job. I'm on the and Facebook then, page, Wade. I'm on the Facebook page right now. Lastly. Why are you not on the Facebook page? Uh, What's wrong with you? Uh, lastly. Just because you have a baby. Doesn't mean you can't there's a whole Facebook series page. of Baby First <clears throat> titles here, and I'm going to recommend the whole batch of them because these are the ones I'm going to hang on to. This is actually really good stuff. It's educational, and it is, it's stimulatory, and it's not just kind it's of, what? you know, it's stimulatory. That's not a it word. It teaches them things. It's good. It's like, you know, it's, it's developmental. Not a word. It's not a developmental. Word. Not a word. And uh, art and music, number, uh, Sensory Wonderland, Numbers Around the Globe, uh, Baby Class, Color Crew, The Best of Baby First, Harry the Bunny, 
Shushabai Baby and Sweet Dreams, uh, calming music and imagery. All of this stuff really comes in handy. If you get this entire set you'll and you have a kid, I tell you, I'm looking at this now. I would have just been dismissive of this before I'm looking at it now. I'm like, you know what? That's going to come in handy. I will, I will get <laughs> See, the cynic, is, the cynic I will get, is gone. I will get sleep. I will get sleep thanks to that. And then, lastly, when she's old enough, which will be in about a year or two, I'm going to expose her to uh, Shakagan no Shana. Shakagan? And to um, this new, incredibly cool installment in the Blood franchise, uh, Blood Sea. This oh, is yeah. this is great anime about butt kicking women, and uh, bravo to Funimation for that. The one I will not expose her to um, is Panty and Stocking, the complete series. Now that's Panty and Stocking with garter belt. Oh well, thank God. This is made for men. I just want you to understand that. And um, what's really creepy here is that there's a big sticker on this box that says includes new U.S. extras and the panty and stocking in sanitary box. Okay. Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm all about ignoring that. And you should. So, that being said, uh, what now? What next? I don't know. You're, you, oh. you're the keeper of the DVDs. Uh, oh, you know, let films. We were not on last week. Let's talk about actual movies. What? Movies? Yes, movies. Real movies. Here we go. And actually, first, I have to do a mea culpa, which we uh, try not to do too much of here because uh, we're proud. But the uh, some weeks ago, I, I uh, dismissed a Jackie Chan double feature from um, the good people of Rich Out Factory, which had the protector on it. And I said, nope, oh, you don't get Jackie Chan's cut of the protector on this. And it turns out that the title I was sent did not have the they, – they resent it, actually, a uh, second time with the bonus disc that uh, was not on it the first time. For whatever reason, there is a bonus disc that has the Jackie Chan cut of the protector. However, it's a DVD, not a Blu-ray. So, um, gotta tell you, I'm, I still have a problem with it because the Jackie Chan cut is the better cut, and uh, it's not cool that you get that on a DVD and not on the Blu-ray. That the Blu-ray gives you the crap version, the American version, and then Jackie's version is on DVD. So it's I I have to take back part of my criticism, but I still can't recommend it. I still say get these movies in their Hong Kong import form. That's what I say. I like how Wade, even when he, even when he gives a mea culpa, he somehow takes it back and makes it into like his opinion. <laughs> anyway, it was a clarification more than a mea culpa. Wow. So, so Mark, yes, all right, new movies, and this one, I'm this gonna one? let, I'm gonna let you do the the chore, the heavy lifting on this because this has been a really interesting ride, hasn't it? This Oscar season. It's been an interesting ride because it's did a bunch anyone, of B-level films that are – some of them are very good. Did anyone ever see the film that you're about to talk about become the Oscar frontrunner? Did you ever imagine that in a field that contains Zero Dark Thirty and Les Miserables and Lincoln – Well, here's what happened. That, that those three would be pushed aside well, and that this would come up the gut. Here's what happened. Yeah. First of all, Les Mis, not well-liked. Which is strange because Generally audiences speaking. love it. I mean, audiences go nuts for it. Critics didn't like it. I, well, I wrote for it for box office, and I acknowledged all of its problems. And I said, you know what? This is what the people want, so it's, it's fine. I like it. Lincoln tried too hard. Yeah. You know, Spielberg bringing Clinton out at the Golden Globes, and it's just, yeah. it's just it, people, they don't want to be forced. Yeah. It's funny, because they'll, they'll be forced by Harvey Weinstein, but somehow they feel like Spielberg is above yeah. forcing them to vote for their movie. Um, Silver Linings doesn't have a shot in hell. Uh, what, was it, what was the other one you said? 
Lincoln. Uh, uh, the, no, no, uh, uh, Zero Dark. Zero Dark. I feel like that would have been given more love if she didn't make a similar film two years ago or three years ago. True. Which leads us to but, this but, film. But I also think there's a Mississippi Burning fact, factor at, at work there, too. Remember, Mississippi Burning was going to win everything until people were like, it's another story about white people saving black people. Which, by and, the way, it is, but I still like the movie is, a lot. But then people were like, oh, maybe it's not such a right. And then next thing you know, Rain Man becomes the winner. In, in a strange, weird, defaulty kind of way. Same same thing with Driving Miss Daisy. It just yeah. was this nice, feel-good movie that we yeah. could all sort of like, like Forrest Gump. So I feel like as Zero Dark Thirty, everybody who's afraid to vote for that because they feel like, oh, I don't want to be you know accused of voting for a movie that, that has torture in it. Everybody kind of jumped from that to the other movie by the same editor that's also kind of political, but it's uh, there's enough distance, right? And that movie is um, in your that's hand. That's my boy. That's it. <laughs> Uh, Argo, which is uh, presumably will win the Oscar, uh, certainly looks upcoming. like it right now. Which I would not have dreamed. I, I would not have dreamed three, even three weeks ago. No, because you know what? I mean, it's, it is a terrific film. Sure, it is. No doubt about it. I mean, I cannot recommend this as a rental highly enough. When it comes to buying it, buy it if you love it, and if you love it, you are thoroughly justified in loving it. I totally get it. Um, I think it's funny. I wonder if the Academy is almost going to make up for the fact that that. People are saying that they're a little out of touch for not nominating Ben Affleck for Best Director. Now, now that we have upwards of 10 Best Picture nominees and we'll always have five Best Director nominees for all time, for at least as long as there's 10 Best Picture nominees, we're always going to have Best Pictures whose directors are not nominated. True. That's going to happen forever now. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not just like some Bruce Bearers for a trivia question. No, it, it's going to be much more. All the time yeah, now. it will. It will happen all the time. And uh, I don't have to tell you what Argo's about. You already know what it's about. I, I think it's terrific. I think that um, what Affleck does here, which is very difficult, which he almost completely slam dunks, is he takes a movie with different tones. Mm-hmm. He's got the thriller. He's got the inside Hollywood thing. He's got, there's a little bit of a snarky comedy aspect going on. These are three completely different sort of approaches, sort of, sort of genres. Mm. He manages to meld them. Fairly smoothly. It's yep. a complicated emulsion, but he might, he winds up melding it into a really enjoyable film. He does. It's a, it's a, I mean, apart from the uh, the finale, which I felt was a little bit too forced, the cross-cutting and the... Uh, yes. It was a little too Delta Force. Correct. You know what I mean? I, I felt like Chuck Norris was going to jump out at any given moment with machine gun and try to shoot them off the tail of the plane. Now, but, uh, if yeah. I could talk about that for a second. Yeah. What When I saw that, I thought you've got to be kidding me. Why is he forcing? Why is he forcing this into the film? Yeah. But then I wonder, and I don't know that, that this that this was the reason why they did it, but it might be the reason that has emerged. Whether such a Hollywood ending is almost serves the theme of the film, or, or serves the undertow of the film, which is that isn't it great how Hollywood can save the country, how Hollywood you, can save us, how yeah. Hollywood can save lives. You might be re- overthinking it a bit. I mean, the fact the fact that, that they are literally racing to get on the plane before they piece together the shreddings from the shredder that, that shows them right. the face. It's like, oh, come on, really? I mean, you're, you're, you're shoehorning tension into the climax of the film that would never be there. That, that oh, just, it was. I mean, in, in, in the actual story, they just got on the plane and left. Yeah. And there's, no... and, and, and there's a better way of doing that. So I think on that level, the script gets a little bit weak. It kind of cops out at the end. But that being said, up to that point, I thought it was a terrific film. Yeah, really terrific did. film. And terrific it looks film. great. It's available on uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and Wade. Hang on. Ultraviolet. <sighs> got to have the ultraviolet. Yeah. Uh, I got to have a little, a little of the ultraviolet. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's a feature-length okay. commentary with Ben Affleck and uh, Chris Terrio. And uh, there's a couple of featurettes on this thing. And I like this film. This film's just terrific. It's a it's a good old you know what it is? It's just a good old crackerjack time it of is. movies. 
And the other big release this week, which is turning out to be kind of an Oscar favorite all of a sudden for cinematography. Wouldn't it be bizarre a James Bond film wins cinematography? Well, again? Roger Deakins, who finally embraces digital. He nailed it. Uh, Roger Deakins' uh, Skyfall, the, uh, the latest James Bond film, which is uh, officially now the most successful Bond film in history, in the history of the franchise. It is, it's a terrific film. It's really great. I mean, I have a few logical problems with it, um, but they're, it's relatively minor. I mean, like the fact that you know th- these guys are roaming around Turkey with the name of every the names of all the agents sitting on a laptop that could just be easily you know well they, they it's, it's just you know what it is here's the thing it's not that's not what bothered me what bothered me is the fact that that's exactly the same plot as the first Mission Impossible I film know. yeah with a knock list but I'll, I'll say that you know people are saying that this is the best the best Bond film I I'm gonna say this. I don't know that it's the best Bond film, but it is the most satisfying Bond film. I will agree when with that. When this was over, I was like, my God, they slam dunked this thing. This they is did. so fun, so satisfying. And what's partly satisfying about it is it, 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 it dovetails into a fourth act, which a lot of movies don't. You know, Most movies are like, oh, three-act structure. Screw the three-act structure. Four-act movies, five-act movies are where it's at because there's always a more satisfying uh, element that kind of f- comes in after the meal. There's a dessert, you know. There's, there's prologues and epilogues to these things that are that give them greater satisfaction and complexity. And that's what I think is, is great about this is that the Skyfall Lodge sequence at the end is a whole additional act of the film that you didn't see coming, and it is great. It is terrific, and they take risks, and it's really good. And uh, this is a uh, Blu-ray DVD digital copy set. Ultraviolet, of course, and um, it's terrific. It's beautiful. Everything that Deacons does with the cinematography that was so amazing is just as amazing on the Blu-ray. You absolutely must get this on Blu-ray, not on DVD. It is uh, it is sensationally good looking. And by the way, uh, I have to say that part of the reason why an extra 5% of Skyfall's positive response mm-hmm. is because Quantum of Solace was so horrible. Yeah, true. One of the worst in the series. True. So you're like, is this thing dead now? And here's the thing. You have Quantum of Solace, and you're like, this, this is by far one of the bottom three Bond films ever. Yeah. And then you hear that Sam Mendes is directing this new one called Skyfall. Yep. You're like, Sam Mendes? I know. That guy doesn't direct these sorts of movies. I know. And then it turns out that uh, it's fantastic. Great. Well, it, t- uh, tons of featurettes on here. I mean, everything you could possibly want. It's just featurette bonanza. It's it's a featurette uh, palooza. And a couple of commentaries, one with Sam Mendes and the other one with Barbara Broccoli and uh, Michael G. Wilson and the production designer. And uh, it's great. I just can't say enough about it. It's, this, is, this, this and Argo and the next one you're going to talk about are the, uh, the, the must-buy titles this week. By the way, before we get to that, uh, there is, if you have Netflix, there is, a, um, there is a documentary on the James Bond franchise that's pretty good. It's called um, Everything or Nothing. As I believe is what it's called, uh-huh. and it is about the making of the franchise, and it's got some stuff on Ian Fleming and some stuff on Broccoli and Wilson and how they met, and of course a bunch of stuff on uh, what's his name, the guy who the the guy who was involved in Thunderball and tried to steal the franchise away. Oh yeah, yeah, that right. guy who's who, still who's, who's still dead suing. now. He's dead, but the but somehow he's still suing. No, it's true, he's dead, but they're still a. Fr- well, this is the reason. And this gets into a, a tangent that we don't need to get into, but this is the reason that they haven't brought back Blofeld. Into the series. This is the reason that that they took um, uh, Spectre and turned Spectre into um, uh, Quantum, right? Right. Because Spectre and Blofeld are all part of the. They were introduced in films that that idiot has has Thunderball, Thunder in Thunderball, where he has the rights, and so they've been afraid to run afoul of all that stuff, even posthumously. Which is silly. I think uh, bring back Blofeld, damn it, Ben Kingsley, Blofeld, or. 
Philip Seymour Hoffman Blofeld. Yes. Either way, Philip do Seymour it. Seymour Hoffman would be oh, great. He'd be a great Blofeld. The one thing, the one thing that JJ, the one piece of casting that JJ's done some okay casting, some good casting in his career. Um, one was Chris Pine as uh, Captain Kirk. I thought he nailed that. He was the one of the first guys to use Philip Seymour Hoffman as like a really like a villain, a big movie villain. And he was good, and he was good because he's Philip Seymour Effing Hoffman. He's awesome. Speaking of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, the Master is out on Blu-ray, and um, The Master, here's the thing, I almost revered really by Thomas Anderson, movie. and I love this movie too. I think this is a great film. I think that ultimately, I don't know that, um, I think that a lot of audiences were perplexed by it, you know, it it seems like a, like a, a straight two-hander where Joaquin Phoenix plays this post-war drifter who winds up under the sway of this cult leader played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Seemed like a two-hander, really not a two-hander. No. It becomes a lot bigger than that. I think that audiences were a little bit confused by it in terms of what is this film trying to tell me. Yep. But uh, when you look at the performances, which are great, when you look at how beautifully it was shot, uh, I think that even though Hoffman is about – Hoffman um, – not Hoffman, um, Anderson is about a few steps away from doing like – a total Terrence Malick where he starts to make these films that are like up his own butt. Yeah. He's, he, 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 I feel like Anderson could be going in that direction it, and that it, will not be a happy direction for me. Yeah. I, I, I feel like he's, Anderson is at his best when he saves a little bit for accessibility. Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights where he can still tell his stories mm-hmm. and, and, and There Will Be Blood was the start of it. Now you have The Master and I, the arc of his movie choices I'm getting more I'm and more getting more and more uh, esoteric, esoteric and obscure. Yeah. I'm a little worried about that. Okay. But that said, there's a lot of great stuff for the master, and I enjoyed it very much. And uh, wait, here's the thing. Here's all we care about. What do we care about? Did you enjoy it? I did. I love this movie. I think it's great. I think it's terrific. I think it's uh, one of the best films of last year. I think the 70 millimeter photography was fantastic. I wish it had been widescreen. Unfortunately, because they shot parts of the film in 35, so they could have more mobility with the handheld camera, like running through the fields. Um, they restricted the uh, the 35 to a 185 aspect ratio, which is odd because one of the thing the, the the 70 millimeter to a 185 aspect ratio because one of the things about 70 is it's a you know it's widescreen. It's like anamorphic. It's big. It's two three five, and uh, that I felt was a little bit of a chip. But other than that, it was it's a beautiful film. And next to great, was, along with Skyfall, two of the best looking movies of the year. Well, here's the thing: the the Blu-ray quality, the transfer, it, it's outstanding, unbelievable. It is gore, it's really good. Just audio is fine too. Extras could have done better on the extras, but uh, all I can say is that the film is fantastic. Fabulous. Yeah. You know, this Hotel Transylvania thing, uh, Blu-ray, DVD, Ultraviolet, uh, I just, it's... CGI animation has just made people so lazy, and uh, this thing is just, it's like cookie-cutter stuff. It's, it's, It's the monster mashup, and that's meant to be a pun, uh, that... It should never have been. This is this was done previously by Rankin and Bass back with uh, Mad Monster Party, which was a, uh, a claymation or a stop motion effort. And uh, Mad Monster Party is terrific. It's really good. Hotel Transylvania is just all obvious jokes, and it's not very clever. And the animation is just very boilerplate. And I just don't much care for this. Uh, you're supposed to celebrate this because they have some interesting voice casting, including Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg, and. Uh, Kevin James and Steve Buscemi, CeeLo Green, but uh, tons of extras, featurettes, commentary, blah, 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 but it doesn't really do anything for me. This is just very, very tepid, and I almost feel like they wanted to kind of be Tim Burton-y, but not too Tim Burton-y, and they wound up being not having no personality whatsoever. Um, also worth mentioning, 
is uh, Anna Karenina. This is an odd movie, and I still haven't decided really what I think about this. Did you watch Anna Karenina? I did not. You know, boy, it's it's really interesting. I mean, Joe Wright, who I like a lot normally, who did wonderful work with um, Kira Knightley in two films, um, Star Wars. Exactly. No, in uh, in Pride and Prejudice and in um, Star Wars, uh, Atonement. Correct. Which I like both of those films very, I like very much. I like a lot. It's good. I do too. That twist ending, yeah, it's great. Kick well, your butt. the in in uh, in Anna Karenina, they kind of try to do this. Uh, I mean, it's the whole thing takes place in an opera house, but it's not like really entirely in an opera house. Like it's almost there's almost a fantasy element to it, and but yet it still feels very stagey. And I'm it's a it's a fascinating kind of an experiment, but I don't know that it quite works. Um, there's an interesting feature commentary with Joe Wright where he tells you all about why it's supposed to work and why you should think that it works, but I'm not sure that it does. Still, I found it very engaging. It's beautifully shot. Uh, you know, that makes three movies this week that are just dazzling on Blu-ray, and it really is just gorgeous on Blu-ray. And uh, a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, including this little time-lapse photography thing and some deleted scenes. But, uh, you know, worth watching. I just don't know if I can recommend an ownership of this particular thing. I don't, I don't know. When you say, v, uh, what? I don't, I, I don't know that I can recommend that people buy it. Got it. See, when I say an ownership, that's what I meant. And then The Man with the Iron Fists. Uh, wow, this is... Um, terrible. You know, it's like, it's just terrible. Too, it's, it's terrible. Why, why is Russell Crowe in this movie? Russell Crowe's got to, he's got to watch it, man. That guy's going to, you know, Les Mis was a updating of his resume, which is great. And he's in uh, Superman, which is good too, but... I think that this guy's is, moment might be over. This is just a totally... First of all, the RZA loves martial arts movies. We know that, right? Yes. Uh, what up, Bill Murray? The RZA loves martial arts movies, and so does Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino presented this thing where the RZA got to direct his his ultimate kind of uh, Hong Kong riff, ultra-violent, ultra-violet martial arts movie. And uh, this, of course, is a Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, ultraviolet set. And, but it's just—it's not fun like a Hong Kong movie, and it's not even like a um, Big Trouble in Little Tokyo, in Little uh, Little China, Little China thing. Ooh, I love that movie. It's not even that kind of an American homage. It's just too much. It's excessive. It's almost like the RZA doesn't really know what he likes or what's really cool about Hong Kong films. Um, and somehow Lucy Liu and Russell Crowe wind up in this thing, and they are both uh, completely wasted. So I don't know. Uh, you also get Rick Yoon, who's usually a lot of fun, but not in this. I don't know, man. It's just it's just too much. It was like not fun. Couldn't agree with you more there, Wade. Whatever you said. Yeah. Don't pay attention to you. Anyway, um here's a uh here's an offbeat recommendation for the week. Rental. Little movie called uh Robot and Frank. Now Robot and Frank is a fun little film. Yes. This was a, this is one of the few films from Sundance last year that did not feel like a little cheap indie. There's really kind of a cool futuristic y like this is a smart little independent science fiction film that looks like it cost more money than it did. I respect that. Yes, cuz it takes place in the near future where there's like big screen Skype and skinny automobiles. Anyway, Frank Langella plays a retired uh, burglar and he has this robot and the robot is his friend. Gift from his son. He's the like robot five is. feet tall. Yes. Yeah. The, the robot's robot supposed is. to supposed to care for him in his old age, but he he winds up putting the robot in the service of his uh, his his previous life's vices. Yes, 
That's why cool. it's cool. So, uh, no, you know what? It's funny and it feels real. And Frank Langella is having an interesting uh, little, you know, late career moment with this and with the other one uh, starting out in the evening. And uh, it's it's just irresistible. It's pretty. It's charming. It's funny. It's uh, it's a good little movie. It's a good little movie. I would very 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 highly recommend Robot and Frank. Uh, we have the DVD. Don't know if it's on Blu-ray, but uh, you don't need it on Blu-ray. If you can find it on um, DVD, just to rent, it's fine. I'd, gi- I'd give it a shot. I think it's a yeah. nice little movie. Robot and Frank. Robot and Frank. Good deal. Robot. It's. <laughs> robot. I don't trust people who who pronounce robot robot. Yeah, like like Gene Roddenberry. He did. Gene Roddenberry would say robot. How? What? How does yeah. that happen? Because Gene Roddenberry talked like this, and we you know we hadn't introduced uh, the idea of a robot. By the way, on 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 the uh, on the net, there's a because uh, I and I had to watch this because I'm a big freaking loser nerd mm-hmm. they had 41 minutes of star trek outtakes no you are it's just... about like like it's it, i think it's like 10 minutes from each of the star trek shows you're a sad and not man. including the original series i only watched the next generation of bloopers the rest there i don't care go. about uh paul dano did two really good performances last year uh one was in ruby sparks which i just love in love fact i saw that I, I always see the i always see the uh the the co-director of that film and little miss sunshine i always see him in the market he was like fondling cabbage two days ago you mean we were in, both in, in, in a sexual sense or no just fondling cabbage well who wouldn't yeah anyway for ellen is the other one paul dano john heater and jenna malone uh you know what this is really interesting the uh this is a, what, a tribeca film and new video and uh, Paul Dano pl- basically plays a kind of a mid-level. I mean, he's not like a really successful rock star musician, but he's he's mid-level, and um, he it's a kind of about a custody battle uh, over his little daughter, and um, it's very very touching. The story is a little bit aimless, but. Um, I won't tell you, it, it, the, the nuances about the custody battle get into kind of a contrivance with the papers and you sign the papers and, da, 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 and all this. But it's, it's, it's really just about a father's love for his daughter and, you know, how these people who kind of come from the margins of what you would call uh, parental responsibility are uh, still, you know, human beings and uh, what it takes to actually kind of elevate yourself to the level of a parent. And I got to say... I have a newfound appreciation for this film now, uh, even though I liked it when I first saw it. So uh, you get a little uh, behind-the-scenes thing on here. It's only one featurette. But otherwise, a really, really good film from Tribeca Film. And uh, they come out with a a gaggle of uh, indie films every month. But this is one of the better ones they've had in recent years. And then, um, yeah, I'll let you launch on that one because I don't like that movie at all. Really? No. The Sessions is uh, multi-Oscar nominated. It's a, uh, it's the story of a 38-year-old guy uh, played by John Hawks, who's emerging as one of the best actors around, very versatile and always very good. Uh, he plays a guy with uh, polio, and he spent his, almost all of his life in an iron lung, which means he had never had sex. And so he decides to hire a sex surrogate, played by uh, Helen Hunt, who's almost 50 now, to help him actually have sex because the guy's been living in an iron lung. And I think this movie is might be a little overpraised, but I think it's terrific. I don't I care think for it. I it think it's the type of story that could be done many different ways, and they, and they wind up finding a way that is funnier than you would think, uh, definitely touching. And uh, William H Macy plays uh, it's, uh, this. This well, that's the part that the bugs part me. is a little, it kind of bugs a little bit just because he he feels like he's in there just so that the character can voice certain opinions to the audience and so that we can we can enjoy a priest who 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 says go for it, <laughs> come on please a long haired priest 
who says go for it. By the way, can can, can you whatever. just finally admit that? Can somebody finally admit that William H Macy looks just like Dave Armblatt? Can somebody <laughs> just admit that? Because Dave won't admit that. <laughs> I never heard you say that. Seriously, don't you think that William H Macy looks just like Dave? Uh, yeah, give me some time to kind of chew that, chew on that. Um, I'm going to call up a, a photos of each, and you're going to like. Okay. You're going to agree with me. Anyway, the sessions is on Blu-ray. It's uh, nominated for uh, you know uh, Helen Hunt's nominated for an Oscar, isn't she? Yes, she is. Yep. And so it's good. It's a good movie. It's a it's a nice movie. It's a Sundance movie. It's uh, that kind of a film. But I thought it was a nice little touching, funny movie. Doesn't work for me, but I, I appreciate it. Because you, you have it. absolutely no emotions. You're you're a loser. Uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower was something that I actually missed throughout award season. Even though I I really adore Emma Watson, I just didn't get around to it. And I'm, I thought it was going to be another one of these kind of teeny tweeny things. And you know, it's based on a novel and blah 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 blah. So I kind of skipped it. And actually, I'm sorry that I did. It's a uh, it's a cool. It's a cool kind of inside kids movie. I, I have to say that it almost feels like uh, it belongs in the John Hughes camp a little bit. In yeah, the sense it's, that it's very self. It's kind of. It's a little cloying, a little self-aware, but there's stuff in it that I like. But I'd rather have it be self-aware than pandering. That is true. And it definitely doesn't pander. No, it definitely doesn't pander. And I thought it was it was intelligent, well put together, and uh, it's it's got a you know, it's got a really nice little style to it. Which is interesting because it was you know directed by the guy who wrote the book, Stephen Chbosky, um, who also does a commentary. And then there's also a cast and director commentary that includes uh, the lovely Emma Watson, who is so smart, and some featurette stuff and deleted scenes and even dailies. It's, uh, it's really it's a sharp little movie. I don't know if I'd recommend it for purchase, but definitely worth, uh, worth a rental uh, somewhere down the line. And um, Mark, it's time for our Vox Box. What? Vox yes. Box? It's Vox Box. Hi, this is Clark from Connecticut, and I love your show. I know you're not a big fan of ultraviolet and the concept of a digital locker. And true, setting it up has made me feel like a character from Brazil. But the quality of high def is great, and $5 to upgrade from DVD to 1080 is about my personal price point. One intriguing notion is the thought of getting free upgrades to the movies I am accessing as studios create cleaned-up versions. Do you know anything about that? I upgraded, for example, my DVD copy of Frantic. If a new high-def transfer is done, will I automatically get it? Thank you, and keep up the fabulous work. Thank you, Clark Aldrich. Uh, that's, a, you know, that's a really, really good point. And uh, here's, here's my here, – I think – and I'll let Mark speak for himself, but here are some of my personal qualms about ultraviolet. I'm not certain that it is the standard that is always going to be the standard. And one of the problems that we've had with digital copy up to this point – is that some digital copies would be they would work on your iPhone and your iPad and others would not they'd work on your PC and some you had to have like Adobe Flash and others you had to have this and one this codec and that codec and anyone who does video editing knows that it be, it is an ongoing nightmare to have to keep track of all the different codecs because this new camera uses this one and goes to this card and this one has this and this kind of compression and uh it, it, it there's no standardization everyone is looking for that video standard that they can then own and force everyone else to pay them licensing royalties. And no one wants to do that. So everyone keeps inventing their own standards. And so the codecs just keep – there's no PDF in the video world. There is no PDF in the video world. And there needs to be. And I'm not sure that ultraviolet is that PDF. Not everybody has signed on to it. And it – there are a lot of great things to it, and Clark just talked about one of them. I mean, yes, you get you get that constantly upgraded digital locker format access to it, but I don't know that it's always going to be there. 
You know, it just it it still it feels like it might be the Betamax of the digital locker world. I want to buy a Blu-ray. And yeah. Do whatever the f I want with it. There you go. Play it on my iPhone. Yeah. Put it in the cloud. Yeah. Play it at a buddy's house. Play it on my iPad. I don't have to worry about digital lockers and all this other stuff. You know. Yeah. No, it's, I hear it's, you. It's, it's a piece of content that I bought, and I should be able to do whatever I want with it. Up to it, up to but not including, you know, you know s- selling, uh, you know, screenings to it in my living room. And of course, the other the other twist is that at some point, whether we like it or not, Ultra HD, uh, which is the the kind of marketing slogan for 4K, is going to become a reality. Now, that's not going to become a reality for a long time because people are still happy with their Blu-rays, and they're very happy with their DVDs. And you don't really get anything out of a 4K television unless it's, you know, 18 feet, you know, diagonal. So, um, but, it, it, you know, we, we are going to be moving through more and more formats. So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Certainly, Ultraviolet has a, has a role to play right now. And if you're getting it along with your Blu-ray, by all means, sign up. Enter that code. Nail it down. You know, you usually have about, what, was it two-year, 18-month, two-year window during which to register your ultraviolet code, so it's Look, not like there's a rush. Do you, do you remember years ago? It's like in, like in the '50s when CinemaScope came out. When 20th Century Fox invented mm-hmm. CinemaScope, they were willing to license it to all the studios. Yeah, you can use this lens system. Yeah, because uh, we want it to become standardized. Yes, the yeah. only studio that did not sign off on that was Paramount because mm-hmm. they came up with their own system, Panavision. Exactly. And to me, ultra ultraviolet is like Panavision. Just yeah. let's just get one guy doing one thing. That we can all agree on, yep. and we can all get on with our lives. Absolutely, that's what I say. All right, I'm with it. All right, with Wait, that, eat cheesecake. You, hit, we're gonna, all right, we're fine. Gonna stop the show right now so we can eat Eric Altieri's cheesecake because it was good. <sighs> Thank you, Eric. I'm going to dive into your cheesecake because Mark says it's good because it has cashews, which yeah, freaks me out. Cashews. Freaks me out a little bit because I, I can't really have cashews, you know, because I break out cashews and peanuts. Oh, I break please out. Please eat cashews. Please, okay. I can take a picture. All right, put fine. it on Facebook.